Welcome to Trailblazer Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Cleric. This is part of our class overview series covering all the classes available to players, and right now we're on the core classes. To read the description from the book, In faith in the miracles of the divine, many find a greater purpose. Called to serve powers beyond most mortal understanding, all priests preach wonders and provide for the spiritual needs of their people. Clerics are more than mere priests, though. These emissaries of the divine work the will of their deities through strength of arms and the magic of their gods. And all it takes is a room full of nerds to argue about whether or not you lose your powers because you did a quote-unquote evil thing. Or you did a good thing because you have an evil deity. Yeah, We're talking about a class that is conjoined with the identity of alignment because they're based in deities. The cleric is our priest, and it's a very versatile class. It's hard to describe it succinctly because it can kind of do whatever it wants. They have... No, 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 Christian, we were just talking about this. You can't do whatever you want because the other players won't let you. You're not listening. The other players are a stand-in for your deity to tell you when you can and can't do anything. That's what the rules say. (laughs) Make sure you tell your friend... Act as his god. You get to give him visions. He'd be like, Mm-mm. no, 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 no. You shouldn't have killed that goblin. What? There were goblin babies in here. Who could have seen this conundrum coming? Not every campaign that I've ever been in in every story path has thought, wow, I got a brilliant new idea. There'll be babies of the enemies. I know. Let's throw into our family-friendly game baby murder. This will be fun. Unless your deity's into that kind of thing. You could argue that the goblin babies are evil because goblins are evil by nature, except they're also a playable race now, so that's a little problematic. <laughs> uh, in first edition, you don't have to talk about second edition. In first edition, you could play as a goblin. True. It was also a playable race, but I think they were more associated with being evil, fecund, little ratty things. All I know is that we covered how to play a goblin before we covered how to play a cleric, so it seems like it's more core to, than a cleric to me. <laughs> See, you have to play with a cleric and a paladin at the same time, but with opposing alignments. Ooh, really play that. the extreme. Just just make the most polarizing party possible. Uh, let me ask you a question now, and maybe you'll get you'll you'll better answer as time goes on. But just so we can have an idea, how is this different than the paladin? So the paladin is specifically lawful good is one of the major differences. The paladin has to be lawful good, so that really constricts the deities that you can worship. The tenets that you are adhering to, whereas the cleric mm-hmm. can be of any deity. And the cleric is not as martially focused would be the other major difference. The paladin okay. has full base attack. We'll see that the cleric does not. And although they can do combat, they can be more of a primary spellcaster, they can be offensive, they can be supportive. Uh, it all depends on the choices you make, specifically of your deity, and a lot of the little details surrounding the class involving the deity. Okay. Well, why don't we jump into their stats? So the cleric has an alignment restriction as a holy class does. They must be within one step of their chosen deity's alignment. So if your deity is sure neutral, you could be neutral good. You could be lawful neutral. You could be the other two. If your deity is lawful good, <laughs> you could be neutral good. You can be lawful neutral. You, you could be lawful good. Yeah. They have a D8 hit die. They only get two skill points per level plus their intelligence modifier, which is the lowest it gets. That's one of the closest things that comes to being a weakness for the cleric. Oof, yeah. They have the following class skills. Appraise, Craft, Diplomacy, Heal, 
Knowledge Arcana, Knowledge History, Knowledge Nobility, Knowledge Planes, Knowledge Religion, Linguistics, Profession, Sense Motive, and Spellcraft. That feels like a lot of knowledges. Yeah, yeah, which is... Him and the Bard are going to fight like, I know more than you. No, I know more than you. Well, the Bard gets six skill points per level, so good luck knowing a lot about your religion (laughs) and doing literally anything else at the same time. You still can't put more points in than your level, son. And we'll see with their the rest of their stats that Int isn't going to be highly sought after for a cleric, so this can be a little painful. Mm. They have a three-force base attack bonus progression. Their good saves are Fortitude and Will, and their bad save is Reflex. The best spread, other than being good in all three. Eh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, oh, oh uh, you mean, I see what you mean. I thought you meant that it was good to be good in Fort and Will and, and bad to be Reflex, because ah, <laughs> I like to dodge those fireballs myself. The cleric is a spellcaster, a divine spellcaster, that gets a full nine levels of divine casting. There Whereas the wizard needs to give it up in the form of one half BAB, the cleric gets it all. Mm-hmm. Their spells and domain abilities scale off of wisdom, and their channel energy scales off of charisma. Clerics are proficient with all simple weapons, light armor, medium armor, and shields, but not tower shield. Because only, like, one person gets tower shields, and that's the fighter. And it's amazing how useful they are. Clerics are also proficient with the favored weapon of their deity. If you're using the Paizo official deities, they all have uh, in their worship, in their stat blocks, specific weapons that are Mm. symbols of that deity. So whatever deity you choose, you are automatically proficient in their weapon. Sorry if you pick a deity that is proficient in a simple weapon. You're kind of missing out on some combat capability there. I feel like some people are going to start their build of their cleric by seeing which deity has the weapon they want to use. Yeah, we'll see with a lot of these class abilities that the deity you pick just so heavily influences what realm you can occupy between the weapon they give you, between the spells they can give you, the other abilities. And let's go over those abilities that you get. Now, Christian, we we go all the way up to 20th level. Why don't we just start at level one Mm -hmm. and sort of work our way past that all right yeah yeah. that way we don't just inundate the listeners with everything at once Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what do they get at level one they start with an aura this is something that the paladin has as well you have a particularly strong aura associated with your deity there's some rules associated with this some beings and creatures that are sensitive to auras can sense that you are a particularly good or a particularly evil person Mm -hmm. and that will come into play as much as your game cares about those things so let me ask you this question. This isn't something that like just like you emanate off and anyone can feel this. They gotta have some ability to detect it. And if somebody's using like detect alignment, does this mean it only works on people who have this aura? If I'm just a lawful good rogue, will I not read as any of those things? You're exposing me for the fraud I am for. This is a rule I don't know. There is It was a rule I don't know either, and it's hence well, I was a genuine question. <laughs> it wasn't a gotcha, but I've gotten both of us. We both been got. But there, there is a specific rule table that is, there is a strength of aura in your alignment based on, like, what level you are. How many hit dice you have influences, oh, like, interesting. A, a level one peasant doesn't have an evil aura, no matter how much of a jerk they are. Like, they're a level gotcha. one peasant. Uh, but, like, I think once you start reaching, like, level five and above, like, you can actually be somewhat detected. And the cleric just has, like, they count as higher. They're, they're always a bit stronger for uh, their level I compared understand. to everybody else. Makes sense. Clerics get to pick two domains associated with their deity. These domains confer domain powers the cleric can use. They also have a list of spells. The cleric may prepare one additional spell each day from one of these lists. Are these like new spells that clerics of other deities 
don't get access to, or is this just a list where they can get the bonus from? It is typically spells that are otherwise not on the cleric list. They're often wizard sorcerer spells, depending on the domain. Oh, interesting. So to give an example of a domain, let's suppose that your deity has some theming around fire and flames. That means that of one of the two domains you could pick, you can choose the fire domain. So first, this will confer to you two abilities, depending on your level. The fire one, predictably, gives you the ability to produce fire. You get the ability to shoot a firebolt out of your hand. It does like 1d6 damage, and you can use it a number of times per day, equal to 3 plus your wisdom modifier. In addition to the ability that you get at first level, and then you'll get another one at sixth level, you also get a domain spell at every spell level that you're allowed to prepare. So if you have the fire domain at level one, you are allowed to prepare the spell Burning Hands as your domain spell, in addition to the spells per day that you get. And then a lot of these have cool spells. So just like how you kind of want to search for a deity that has a weapon that represents something that you want to do with your character, you probably want to search for a domain that has a spell that you want to be represented within your character. So fire, I chose this one because it gives you fireball. You can't really get fireball otherwise as a cleric, but if you want to be a holy purifier that burns away the sins of your enemies and you want to shoot fireballs at people as a cleric, you want to pick the fire domain. I like how you can get spells from other lists from this. It's pretty cool. And there's some really cool ones. Another domain that I personally really like is the travel domain. A lot of gods of, you know, wanderers can get the travel domain. Some of them focused on the idea of like urbanism can get the travel domain. They give you spells like fly. Uh, Just getting uh, to cast fly essentially for free, at least once per day, I think is really awesome. They can do teleporting stuff like Dimension Door. They can cast Long Strider on themselves, so it's almost just like you have a permanent 10-foot speed increase for just choosing the travel domain. These all sound like classics, like useful. This isn't some obscure, oh, now you've got Restless Dreams. There's also the Luck domain that is thrown around through a a couple different deities. I'll give an example of both the abilities you get from the luck domain. So at level one, you get the ability Bit of Luck. Three times per day, plus your wisdom modifier, you can touch a willing creature as a standard action, giving it a little bit of luck, which means for the next round, any time that they roll a d20, they roll twice and take the more favorable result. I think that's a cute little representation of being lucky. Yeah, definitely. At level six you get good fortune, which says as an immediate action, you can reroll any 1d20 roll that you just made before the results are revealed, and you have to take the results of the reroll. You can do this once per day at level six, and then you get a couple more uses out of it. So generally useful abilities, you're getting them for free, and you're getting access to spells that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. Domains are one of your major ways to customize your cleric to make them do the things that you want them to do. All right, is that it for what we get at level one? Get a couple more things. You get channel energy at level one. So channel energy is the cleric can unleash a wave of energy from themselves of either positive or negative energy. So if you're a good cleric, you will heal living things within your channel radius. If you are an evil cleric, you will do harm to living things. And if you're neutral, you basically pick between one or the other, but you only make that choice once and you're stuck with it. This does 1d6 points of healing or damage and can be used a number of times per day equal to 3 plus your charisma modifier. And then this goes up by 1d6 every other level. So it's free, but it's bad. It's not very useful. One, <laughs> But level 3 getting 2d6 points of healing probably 3, maybe 4 times per day because you, you kind of have to put your points other places than charisma. It, it's not a super useful ability. I, I mean, people always 
as much as I argue against it, say that they need to have a healer in their their crew. While maybe this isn't great for healing in combat, in between battles, I feel like you can just use these up. And I like it as a role-playing thing, especially for a good cleric. The paladin has lay on hands to heal the wounded, to provide boon to NPCs and the people of the world. And the cleric has channeling energy. They can heal a whole room full of people. And that's like a really wonderful role-playing moment to walk into like an inn or maybe a shelter of some kind where there's a lot of injured people and you can heal them Mm -hmm, all at once because it's just, I think it's about a 10-foot radius around you. Actually, a 30-foot radius around you is what I meant to say. So that's a pretty big radius. Yeah, and as much as you want to call it bad, if you're playing a game with more allies, all of a sudden it becomes better. It does become better the more creatures that can fit in that 30 feet. It's a lot I'm going to pack it full of orphans. I'm going to be the most lawfulest, goodest cleric that's ever been. You'll just have two clerics standing in the pile of goblin babies. One good, one evil. Channeling back and forth. (laughs) Stop. Bringing them continuously back to the edge of death. Stop. <laughs> the The harmful version of this, I think, is also the much less useful one, because it does almost no damage, and it's hard to fit that into role-playing. Like, when is anyone going to be like, oh, you're an evil cleric. Could you do a piddling amount of damage to this room full of people real quick for sure. me? I don't want them to die. I just want them to, like, pinch them. Right. It's a good radar for, hey, we're in a tomb. Let me just use this real quick. If you're, I guess, that's, nope, that's still good. But anyway, you can use, hey, we'll see if anyone flinches. See if that skeleton releases a skeleton. <laughs> it, you're almost using it like a video game capacity, like, oh, it clips through walls. Let's see if there's an enemy on the other side of this wall by channeling negative energy as well go, next to it. Like, oh, I heard my, the hit markers. There's someone hiding, invisible in the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me go edit in a bunch of Call of Duty click, click, click. <laughs> channeling of channeling negative energy in the middle of all the goblin babies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Stop. Can we stop with the poor goblin babies? <laughs> they so maybe they trite. should have been born evil, objectively, as the lore <laughs> states. <laughs> and that's why alignment has zero problems. It's not in the core rule book, but there are some cool things you can do instead of channeling energy. There are alternate channeled energies, which I, I don't want to get into the specifics here, but you could basically choose based on your deity. Like, if you're a luck deity, you give everyone like a small bonus instead of mm-hmm. healing them. Uh, You'll give them, like, a small bonus to their next roll or something like that. Uh, Alternate channeling is a cool thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to take it from its relatively not super useful base and turn it into something at least a little bit more flavorful. There's also some abilities that allow you to, like, channel your energy through your weapon. So you can hit, like, an undead thing and channel your positive energy through whatever you hit them with and do a little bonus damage. There are a few other mechanics, feats, items that do interact with channel energy. It's called Variant Channeling. It's from Ultimate Magic, and I use it literally every time. Which uh, variants have you used? I think I usually pick ones that can also eventually like help remove a status effect. Oh. You're working on Caleb's memory, which is always a bad call. But even though that'll come up very rarely, I feel like it can often be better. Probably better than doing like 1d6 damage or something. Clerics also get bonus languages at level one. They get to add Celestial, Abyssal, and Infernal to their list of available bonus languages, which at the time, you know, the core rulebook was was the premier 
divine planes. This one's not super useful at like low levels. Like a level one character speaking celestial or infernal probably won't. But get Christian, much I put so it. much into my int. I have so many bonus languages, <laughs> and you have so many skill points to put into linguistics to learn even further languages. Mm-hmm. Let's go. But this actually becomes more useful later in the game. Uh, both good and evil clerics do get the option to basically summon extra planar beings from other planes that speak these languages. So it's a, it'll mm. be a little bonus to the, both that role playing and the mechanics of you summoning a, like a demon. You can speak infernal to it and you can make a deal with it. I wish you got them for free. I don't think that would be too much to ask for. Like you just automatically get one of these languages, but instead it's like a bonus one you can choose if you sure. have enough intelligence. Something that I just read that I haven't really mentioned yet, you do have a divine symbol as a cleric. You're supposed to be holding it to cast your spells and channeling your energy. Maybe I should adhere to that rule more. I, I, until I just read that sentence, I completely forgot it existed. I, I never really hold any player to that. Like, if you want to use a, a mace and a shield, mm-hmm. but you also want to cast spells, I don't Didn't think Paladin I have a built-in where, like, their weapon counted as their... They might get a class ability for that. I don't recall off the top of my head. But if you want to be really stingy and nerf your cleric, you can be really forceful about, but are you holding your symbol? Are you presenting your symbol? Does everyone know you really like your god? No, I don't see it in Paladin. Could have swore something somewhere that... Maybe War Priest? Maybe. Well, Christian, if I know anything about our listeners, that they come here for information that might not be right. (laughs) (laughs) That they can bring to the table, do. And then you write us in. Tell me if you get yelled at by uh, Pathfinder Society people. Yeah, we officially just run our games on vibes. Like, I feel like the cleric should Mm -hmm. be able to Mm -hmm. cast spells without going like, here's my little shotski for my deity. Listen, I'm seeing a picture of a cleric with a shield and a hammer. So I guess you just got to tie that that sucker on on your shield. Paizo drew it. It's, It's now... Rules is written. It's canon. <laughs> RAD, rules rules is drawn. All right, we've talked about a lot of adorable things. Ooh, I'm so glad we talked about bonus languages first. Talk to me about the meat and potatoes. We got a ninth level caster here. Clerics cast spells. Spell casting, in case you're new to the Pathfinder fandom, welcome. Spell casting's really, really good. Nine levels of spell casting in particular is insanely good. Nine levels of divine spell casting where you can leave spell slots open and prepare them with a little prayer throughout the day is borderline so broken. I, I played a character that could do this once and I was really glad when that campaign finished because it was too easy. You are a Swiss army knife. You can prepare whatever spell for whatever scenario because you get the whole spell list. So you, you cast spells based off of your wisdom. So you need to have a wisdom score equal to 10 plus the spell level. So you need to get up to at least 19 wisdom to cast your ninth level spells late game. And you just get an allotment of spell slots that you can prepare every day. And then on top of that, you also get your free domain spell for every spell level every day. Now, we're not talking about the Arcanist here, where you're you're so flexible, you're changing it at one minute at a time. It takes an hour of prayer, yes? I believe so. I know that I've seen some discussion that people consider it a shorter time to prepare a single spell, like an hour represents your prayers and meditations in the morning to prepare all your spell slots, but I don't see it in the Cleric stat block, and I forget if it's actually a general rule, so more just kind of like vibes. That's what people come (laughs) here for. So even if it's just an hour, you know, if you know what you're going into in any manner, even if you just did one room and you know what's in the next room. I mean, I know players that take a freaking long rest in between rooms of a dungeon. A long rest. This is not Dungeons and Dragons. I played Dungeons (laughs) and Dragons like once in my life. I don't know why I said long rest. A little too much ball to take three. It's okay. Mm, A game I famously quit very soon after starting. (laughs) 
really got it did trained you, in did my you brain. Did you fail the have sex speed run? Wait, I'm 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 installing it right now again. Wait a second. Where's this? I will tell you this. I killed a uh, vampire dude who put a knife to my throat and found out that he was a main character. So I didn't undo that because he put a knife to my throat. You should know better. Listen, listeners who have been waiting for us to come back have really hoped that we would talk about sort of a game that came out months ago. Just really hitting the prime time to talk about this game. I don't know, Caleb. For another that, system. I'm surprised you're you're so angry at that. Uh, I don't know. That sounds a little uh, Valerian of that character to do that. Hold on. Hold up a second. Wait a second. Go on. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just seems like it's, it seems like a tactic to, to evil characters. But the worst part was, all right, if we're getting into it, we're getting into it. The worst part was I saw it coming. I could see it coming a mile away. So I did like the choice options. I thought we'd be like, yeah, obviously I'm not going to get close enough to you. And the game was hard, just coded. It was going to happen to you. And I'm like, oh, really cool. Really, really, really cool. Enjoy that. Nice, 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 nice. So leap behind As soon your as we talked our way out of it, uh, I said three, two, one, and both me and my fellow player who were on the same wavelength, just all I said was three, two, one. We both ganked him and we're like, pull a knife again, see what happens. We were so on the same page that at one point, the stupid wizard guy, who I wish I never rescued from a portal, said to me, I need magic items. And I said, uh, okay, why? And he goes, I can't tell you that. And I said, okay, well then huff my shorts. You're not getting magic items. So he's like, you can't put this off forever. And then and at the sy- synchronizing, we both said, watch me at the same time. We gave that guy nothing. This is why you need to ditch your computers, throw them away. They're not good at doing RPGs. Word of mouth is That's better. Right. Get around the table with your friends and recreate the events of Baldur's Gate 3. I'd rather my friends yell at me that I lost my cleric powers because that was an evil deed. Okay? That's what this game is about. <laughs> Not vampire twinks putting a knife to my throat. And then everyone's like, oh, why'd you kill the vampire guy? He had cool, weird, like, back scars, though. Yeah, why'd you kill the twink, Caleb? Why don't you go a little bit more into that psychology? <laughs> Hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we put the shunt that discussion to the end afterwards. Uh, we were in the middle of what we were spelling. Yeah, that's right. We were talking about spellcasting. There are some. That game is one-third inventory management, one-third listening to dialogue written by people who's never written a book, and then one-third clunky combat. Not interested. Clerics do have... I had a fighter, and I just made him a straight-up fighter. I made him a human fighter. I picked all the fighter things. I put oh, all you my points into the physical you scores. You knew better. I dumped down all my mental scores, pumped up all those physical scores, and I was still doing less damage, hitting less than the rogue nerd. It was stupid. I hated it. If I sacrificed everything to do more damage, how come the rogue can do nine things a turn and do more damage to me, and I couldn't hit the guy because I had to walk five meters? The game sucks. I hate it. And this is Caleb's legit opinion. Caleb has been playing tabletop RPGs for over a decade and is surprised when the fighter's bad at things. If it should be a trade-off. If I'm sacrificing all this variety of things, then the one thing I can do should be cool. I bet Shadowheart be was also at better at melee combat than your fighter. Christian, uh, uh, do you remember when you asked me what my favorite classes were, my two answers? No. The kineticist and the fighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez Louise. You should have gone shadow boxing. That game sucks. <laughs> oh, and it was really great that they really let off strong with a bunch of boring goblin things. I'm a surprise. I don't know. Maybe if I played for another hour to come across a bunch of goblins. I did come across goblin babies. Holy crap, I did. And I did kill them, and I didn't get anything bad for it, but they wouldn't let me kill the tiefling babies. Don't ask me why. I guess tieflings are human, goblins are not. I mean, people. You know, I've never played Baldur Gate 3, but all I know is that you could definitely eat one of the goblins' toes. I know that for a fact. 
That's a canonical Christian, good event. Good on you. Canonical event that can happen. You can eat a goblin toe. Listen, if if you want to manage your inventory a lot, this is the game for you. I've seen you play Backpack Hero. You like picking up stuff and putting it down. This podcast sponsored by Baldur's Gate Three. <laughs> imagine, imagine if that was the sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> the sponsored bit just trashing it it's literally garbage please at me <laughs> so anyway the cleric there are some restrictions of the spells that they can cast surprise surprise it's based on their alignment you just can't if you're a good cleric you can't cast spells with the evil descriptor if you're evil cleric you can't cast spells with the good descriptor so on so forth that one's pretty obvious the cleric has a lot of really good spells. They're not as offensively focused as the wizard sorcerer spell list. You have a lot of things that are based around buffing people, around protecting people, around blessings or profane enhancements. But there are some quite strong ones. You get the strongest spell in the game, arguably. You get Miracle at ninth level, which is literally every spell in the game is miracle you can cast any spell in the game with miracle because it's a miracle you can just cast a miracle i don't don't know who thought that was a good idea but you can do that if you ever get there if you ever get a gm that lets you get past the freaking beginning levels of this game which good luck you then you can invalidate the game and if that's fun for you you can prepare the spell miracle building off of that you also get spontaneous casting you can channel stored spell energy into healing spells or harm spells depending on your alignment that you did not prepare ahead of time you can lose any prepared spell that is not an orison or ison your level zero garbage (laughs) or domain spell in order to cast any cure spell or harm spell of the same spell level or lower let me tell you i know you're talking about how weak it is and far be it for me to argue with you i will say at the when I've played casters before, which, you know, when all the, the stars align and I have to do it, even though I don't want to, at the end of the day, I've got all these spells left over. It's actually pretty nice to be like, all right, let me convert most of the stuff that I have left over and, and heal the whole crew. And we're all back to full. No, no having to buy potions, no having to use high level, no having to buy one, whatever the heck it is. I can just heal us all up. The healing version of this, again, is more useful. At the end of the day, it's like, oh, I have some spells left. Let me convert them to cure wounds so that we don't have to do math for resting. It's fine. It's not super powerful, but it is like a free thing. It says you can prepare whatever spells you want, and you don't have this burden, this tax of having to prepare heal spells. You can prepare offensive spells, and if the situation calls for it, you can choose to switch it to a healing spell. That's no problem. I like that. Obviously, the harm version of this is much worse because it's so little damage. It is a mm-hmm. single target harm. I think you get the, the harm multiple people once later, but there's so little damage, and I believe they can be partially resisted. It's really not worth it. There's some of the not as good spells in the game. I don't want to say the worst because there's definitely some absolutely trash spells in the game, but listen, I can do, I can hit them with my mace, do my 1d6 points of damage, or I can get in the middle of the goblin camp. That is in the beginning of this Baldur's Gate game because they have to put the most milk toast thing at the beginning and and hit nine of them for three d two d six because I'm level three or whatever. Uh, it 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 has its uses. Listen, this is in not going to be the argument we had with the I think it was ninja healing or whatever it was. Oh, the uh, monk's monk, whole monk, body. monk healing. The, but I'm saying this isn't useless. No, I don't think it's useless. It it, it is a little on the weaker side, but it's a free thing. You're like, I'm fine with mm-hmm. something being free and weak because it's just an option you have. It's not like a real class ability. It's just this mm-hmm. little caveat that, again, I think is a nice way to sidestep the healer mentality. If you're entering a game with the healer mentality, you'd have a healer. That doesn't mean the cleric is walking around with all of their spell slots with cure light wounds. Greater cure light wounds. No, they they 
prepare spells they want to prepare, and if called for, then they can switch it out for a cure spell. I'd say that this class really gets identity at level one from the start. You're you're, you're a cleric, but let let's move on. Let's see what you get to make you more clericy. What do we get in future levels? Uh oh, you don't. Of course, surely we get something new. What's my capstone at least? Well, you get um, you get channel energy two d six according to the table at level three. Okay, all right, very cool. All and right, it, let me look at this table. Surely isn't copy paste the same thing? Oh my goodness! You get a uh, channel energy ten d six at level nineteen. That's that's kind of like a capstone. Oh, that's like a fireball at level five. <laughs> wow! <laughs> you, you, it's like you get your capstone a level early at level nineteen. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we're joking, uh, but like you said, uh, ninth, uh, ninth level spells are their own version of a capstone to get that at level 17. Yeah, you get Miracle at level 17. You get your capstone. Good job. Uh, they, don't, they don't have any other abilities. You do get your second domain ability, specifically at level 6 for, I think, the majority, mm-hmm. if not all, domains. So that's one thing that is an actual new ability, but otherwise you are just getting new spells. As a cleric, you know, you're going all the way through nine spell levels. Don't worry, you will have options to make every time that you level up because you're typically getting more spell slots, if not learning a whole new spell level. Clerics are infamous for being difficult to make archetypes for because what are you replacing? Uh, It's going to be a level one thing and they don't have much to replace. Oh, I'm going to replace your bonus languages with a whole new powerful thing? I think not. So channel energy usually the one that gets targeted. Yeah, there's a couple that will try to push you into either a more martial or a more spellcasting direction. There are some that will issue medium armor so that you can only wear light armor, or maybe your armor entirely, but give you some more spellcasting abilities. And then vice versa, there's some that will give you access to better weapons and armor, but you will typically lose your some of your spellcasting ability for it. So one of the archetypes that do something I mentioned is called the Cloistered Cleric. It's from the Ultimate Magic book. Basically, you're losing proficiency with some of your armor, so you can only use light armor, and you can only use specific simple weapons. You don't even get proficiency with all simple weapons. You just get the club, heavy mace, light mace, quarterstaff, sling. So like the wizard, you get some extra class skills, and you get four skill points per level rather than two skill points per level. But to make up for this, you are also, you lose the casting of one spell per level. But they also, they generally do stuff, they have better knowledge checks, they're better at reading symbols and scrolls, and they're better at assisting their allies. But yeah, there's not, there's really not a lot to do with the cleric in terms of archetypes, just not enough class abilities to work with. What about favorite class bonuses? There's a couple races that get okay things. Human is worth mentioning. It's a very good choice for the cleric. That bonus feat and that bonus skill point are so much more impactful when you only get two skill points and you have absolutely no source of bonus feats in your whole class. And then their favorite class bonus is plus one to overcoming the spell resistance of outsiders. So we're talking late game, past level 10. This essentially reads, you will never fail a spell resistance check unless the enemy is like six or seven levels above you. It is a very good bonus that will basically do nothing until you hit like level 12 and start dealing with outsiders and trying to hit them with like CC spells or banish them, uh, things like that. The Dampier is the same thing, but specifically to Undead. So if you're in a campaign focused on Undead, you can overcome their spell resistances. The Hobgoblin I thought was funny because they get plus one half damage to negative energy spells. So if you want to be someone that specifically casts harm spells, (laughs) Hobgoblin ends up being your best option if you want to be like the worst spell slinger ever with the, the worst DPS. 
And then the half elf gets plus one third to their channeled energy. So every three levels, you either heal one additional health or you deal one additional damage. So there's a couple feats and items specific to clerics to look out for. Some of the basic feats. Most of your feats are related to channel energy being, I don't know, like your Oni class ability to do something with. You can take the feat Extra Channel that allows you to channel energy two more times per day every time that you choose it. You can pick the feat Channel Smite. This is what I was talking about where you can channel your energy through your melee weapon and bonk undead things or unholy things with holy damage. Or if you are a neg- evil priest, I do, I've always liked the idea of an evil priest that's like a more slinky, roguish type stabbing people with a dagger, but it's got like negative harmful energies in it. Bless Equipment kind of lets you play as a budget magus because you get to expend your channel energy uses and instead turn that into enhancements for your weapons and for your armor. I think you mean to say War Priest. Also War Priest, yes. Similar thing for, I guess, I guess War Priest is more on the nose. It's the same divine casting. Yeah, fair. Okay, you got me. You win. I'll, I'll give you a W. Here's the W. Take it. Take it. <laughs> Finally, I've won one over Christian. Let's mark down this day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Channel Smite and Blessed Coming, the immediate thing I thought was, oh, here, it's War Priest before we, War Priest came out. War Priest has some of its own little quirks uh, about it, but if you wanted to get up to nine level spellcasting and still bonk people, it's a good, mm-hmm. it's a valid option. Yeah, I always find it interesting to go back to these options that were available, you know, at the beginning before classes like War Priest came out, and then to see them with the eyes of, hey, the War Priest is out now, is this still something that would be interesting to choose? And, and how, why would it be good to choose this over the class that? had made its 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 shtick. I think a big reason could be that ultimately this is a lot easier to play than a war priest. A war priest is actually kind of complicated. You need, you need to know how swift actions work. You need to know how spell mm. targeting self-only spells can scale well with yourself. You got a lot more class abilities to work about. You got your bonus feats. You count as full BAB, but you're not really full BAB. That's a lot of rules, whereas the cleric gets everything at level one, and you can pick and choose how much more complicated yeah. you make the class. Quick channel lets you channel as a move action for two uses of channel, and selective channel allows you to ignore up to your charisma mod of targets to be unaffected by your channel. I, it's, <laughs> because channel's not a wonderful thing, it's weird to make this statement, but it feels to me like this is necessary. Because if I can use my move action to channel, then it's no longer what I'm doing for damage that round or healing that round. It's what I'm doing as an extra. I didn't have to move, so here, I can just add this little bit of damage or a little bit of healing. It's also kind of interesting because I believe you could do it as a move action and then for an additional use, do it as a standard action. So just double down on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, you really need that burst of healing, move action, and standard action channel positive energy. Yeah. And with selective channeling, if you know that that one goblin baby actually wants to be your Sith apprentice... When you are nuking them with channel negative energy, you can exclude that one. Which I realize we actually never explicitly said, you don't get to pick the targets of channeling positive and negative energy. It is just Mm -hmm. whoever is within the radius. So if there is an enemy within that 30 feet and you are trying to channel positive energy to heal one of your allies, then you're going to also heal that living enemy. Listen, Lamash 2 embraces all near her. She makes no distinction. (laughs) You all suckle at this heat. I I can't talk the about the T of negative energy. She's probably very evil. What's her, what's her alternate channeling? I'm curious. Oh no, Lamash is just a great addition to any wholesome Pathfinder tabletop game. <laughs> yeah, 
especially if it's content that you make online and you like it being monetized, definitely include themes that Lamashtu cares about. The harm effect of the Lust Domain, mmm, I am in love with the wording here. Creatures gain a channel penalty on saving throws against charm effects and effects that fascinate for one minute. How do you even describe that? How do you even RP that you're getting hit with a wave Wait, of negative energy that makes you more susceptible to getting... Chaos, evil, madness, strength, trickery, subdomains, cannibalism, corruption, deception, demon, demon, ferocity, insanity, nightmare, riot, thievery, truth. There is no lust here. You made that one up. You just wanted it to be true. No. Wait, yeah, where do you, you see ult- that there, Ultimate Christian? Magic, page 29. I'm not seeing it. As Lamashtus? Is it not one of her? I, I'm shocked. Yeah, look at that. Christian just kind of, you just kind of assume. It's a vibe. How can you not give her that? That's the vibe. That You know what? That That's an errata right there. That's not us. That was Paizo's mistake. <laughs> I'm really glad that after two years, almost to the day, two years and two weeks of not having a Trailblazer Academy episode, uh, we've talked about killing babies, and we went back to Lamash 2 and banging animals and Lust Domain. Cool, cool, cool. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, guys. We're back, guys. Oh, yeah. Trailblazer Academy's back, baby. This is the best 1E content. That's why I still play (laughs) 1E. I can't talk about selective channeling and channeling positive energy without mentioning the Life Oracle. There is a mystery for oracles that allow them to channel energy. It is called the Life Mystery. It gives them channel positive energy, but the oracle is a spellcaster that is based around charisma. So suddenly, channeling energy becomes a very viable combat thing to do for specifically the Life Oracle. They get a couple other abilities to make use of that. So even if you were someone that was really into the idea of healing, and in combat healing specifically, I want to make this clear, the Life Oracle is the only way that that's viable. You will have a bad time if you try to be an in-combat healer. Like, don't make that your identity. Don't ever approach a game like, oh, I'm the cleric. I'm going to heal people in combat. Not only is are you going to be bored when your team is succeeding and you don't have to heal anybody and you don't have anything to do, you're going to be woefully disappointed when you try to heal one of your allies and realize that the rate at which damage is dealt versus the rate at which you can heal damage is a paltry sum. You will never outheal anything that can thread. But if you are interested in that, look into the Life Oracle. And I think uh, probably advice that would supersede that is don't let Christian tell you what to do. He's not your dad. See, I don't, I don't like that advice. We can disagree. Look, <laughs> Kale, can you edit that out? No. <laughs> And I I, want to make, this is actually like a blanket statement for most advice that I gave with Pathfinder. We're talking about efficacy. We're talking about the fantasy that you want to fulfill in your head. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a combat healer, Cleric can't fulfill that fantasy for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't try it, but know that it's not going to be, you're not going to reach that height that you're looking for. Your your team's probably going to die because the Cleric couldn't do anything except heal one 2d6 damage and they low rolled and you healed someone for 3 hp against an enemy who's smacking you for 25 damage around it's just Mm -hmm. the system isn't built for that and i don't want people to be disappointed i want them to know that that is just the system's not built around it it's not going to serve you in that goal i can easily see i I agree with you christian and but i can easily see games that you just don't run it that brutal it's a relaxed game, and you can have the cleric be the healer because you're not getting put up against things that will rough you up that bad. There's not even a flat modifier, Caleb. I know. There's not even a plus one at the Listen, end of that. If it I is, am it is a just X half elf. There is every three levels. <laughs> uh, People play differently than me. What? No, 
No! I love how the only time we ever really argue is over healing. (laughs) Uh, What are your final thoughts about the cleric? I'm pretty sure I've shared this anecdote before, but I once played a character that was only part cleric. They were part cleric, part wizard, and they were using a sub-school of wizardry to be a mystic theurge earlier than was supposed to be possible. In fact, it got errated after I played this character. But I got to experience being a full cleric spellcaster, and it was boring. I didn't personally enjoy it. It wasn't very fun to always have the answer to anything we wanted to do. Hmm. Now, that's because I'm a bit of a power gamer. I am looking to be efficient and effective, and I am reading into spells that I think will be most effective. But the cleric spell list is gigantic. It Mm. is humongous. I was trying to pick through it earlier to see, like, oh, what's some cool spells that I want to mention during this? There's too many. There's too many to talk about. Mm. I couldn't possibly do it. The the cleric is extremely versatile. I really like the class, and we didn't talk about it a lot, but you want to be steeped into the lore of your deity, whether it is an actual, you know, Paizo-written deity, or if it's a home-grown, home-written, house-ruled deity. You want to be steeped into at least knowing what they're about. You don't have to make your entire personality about them, but you have, that's obviously going to elevate your role-playing and elevate your experience of the class, knowing that you're not just doing stuff to do stuff, you're doing stuff because there is at least a a tenet for you to follow. There is structure to why you do the things you do, and it also lends itself to now having conflict within your faith. If now the DGM can construct scenarios that will have your character questioning, what do the tenets of my deity uphold versus what do I personally want in this situation? That could be a really good way to write a story and a really healthy and fun thing to put in front of someone that is playing a holy character or an unholy character. Make them question their faith. And I think that's something that would be played out in like actual like human nonfiction that sure. we care about, but in something that is these deities that aren't you know are one true god deities but rather are kind of flawed deities that tend to have their own little nests in morality that they occupy there's a lot you can do there it's a, it's really a template class i say it's a lot but because there's so little class abilities in particular you get what you put into this class into your choices of spells into your choices of domains into the choice of your deity how you craft that around the character that you're writing you're going to get a lot if you put a lot into that research. Yeah, the winners of this class are the people who are going to take the time to really figure out what spell they want to do and immerse themselves in the role play. And the losers are the people who waited two years for a new Trailblazers Academy episode only to get the shortest class episode we have ever done or ever will do. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. (laughs) Trailblazer Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com. This is Johan Mertens. Thanks for listening.